Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. And you are our listeners, and as always, we thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to listen to Prep Talk on your favorite podcast provider. You can also follow us on social media, on our Twitter at NYC Emergency MGT, Facebook, Instagram, and much more. This is Black History Month, and on today's episode, we are going to be joined by Greg Bishop, who is the commissioner for the New York City Department of Small Business Services. That's right, Omar. As leader of Small Business Services, or SBS, Commissioner Bishop is charged with actively connecting New Yorkers to good jobs, creating stronger businesses, and building a thriving economy in neighborhoods across the five boroughs. We are looking forward to hearing from Commissioner Bishop. But before we dive in, you know what time it is. Let us get you up to date on the latest news in the emergency management field. Here's your Prep Talk Situation Report. All right, this is the Situation Report. Let's get started. Scientists have found a link between rapid weather swings and a heightened risk of flu activity. A study published in the journal Environmental Research Letters examined more than a decade of health and weather data in the United States, mainland China, Italy, and France. The researchers analyzed surface temperatures, weather patterns, and health records from January 1st, 1997 to February 28th, 2018, a total of 7,729 days. They found that the years with intense weather fluctuations in the autumn months incited the flu, creating a robust patient population early in flu season that continued to grow throughout winter. The international team of researchers say that this trend would only continue to get worse as climate change drives more extreme and variable weather conditions. Thank you, Allison. In other news, Somalia is among several countries declaring a national emergency due to the worst desert locust invasion in a quarter century. Now, swarms of the insects are breeding throughout East Africa, including nations like Sudan, and have also spread to neighboring Kenya and Ethiopia where they are devouring swaths of farming and pasture land. Now, a typical desert locust swarm can contain as many as, get this, Allison, 150 million locusts per square kilometer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Now, swarms migrate with the wind and can cover 100 to 150 kilometers in a day, destroying the amount of crops in a day that would be sufficient to feed 2,500 people. Experts say the locust invasion may have been spurred by a cyclone that swept through northeastern Somalia and eastern Ethiopia in December, bringing heavy rains to the area, which created ideal conditions for the insects to breed for, get this, the next six months. Well, let's hope this is just a phase and not a plague, huh? Uh, We truly hope so. All right, and that's the Situation Report. Still to come, we will be speaking with Commissioner Greg Bishop from the Department of Small Business Services. But first, here is a public service announcement from New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. 
your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. <gasps> Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. You're listening to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. You are listening to Prep Talk, and we are back. Let us welcome our special guest to the show, Greg Bishop, Commissioner for the New York City Department of Small Business Services. Thank you for joining us, Commissioner. Thanks for having me. Let us get started. We're going to get right into it. Uh, What sparked your interest in government, and how did you get started? So appreciate you guys uh, inviting me in. I'm so jealous right now, <laughs> trying to figure out how I can get a podcast for for my agency. Um, but I started at SBS actually 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and what sparked my interest was uh, because I worked in workforce and uh, my job was to help young people, um, train them in tech skills and find them jobs. And I was really looking at SBS to help me figure out how to actually place these young people into jobs. Uh, the system called them at risk. I called them at promise. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to figure out ways uh, to help individuals who maybe um, uh, were sent to us at the nonprofit that I was working at as an alternative to incarceration. Uh, individuals who may not have gone to college. Um, you know, I I grew up in in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I went to Brooklyn Tech. I'm a Brooklyn person, uh, but I too stumbled uh, when I went. Uh, the you know the taking this next step mm-hmm. in terms of you know, I spent about maybe two and a half years in college and I dropped out. So, but I had a skill, which was a tech skill. So I really understood that having a skill actually um, can help someone change their lives because I worked seven and a half years in tech. Um, So SBS uh, was actually a deputy commissioner at SBS was at one of our galas and she loved the work that I was doing to place individuals into um, jobs. And she was like, Hey, I could help. Um, And literally it was her way of getting me in to then try to actually encouraged me, recruit me to join the city of New York. Our first question was, have you ever thought about working for the city? And, and you can imagine what I said. It was <laughs> absolutely not. But I needed to help me with, uh, you know, uh, helping uh, my kids get jobs. Uh, but then when she started talking about the Minority and Women Business Enterprise Program and the work that she was doing to revitalize that program, uh, if you're, you may not know this, but during uh, the Giuliani administration, one of the things that uh, the mayor did was he ran on eliminating the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the Bloomberg administration, there was an effort to rebuild the program. Uh, so she convinced me that that was uh, a, a, a worthy effort. Um, and I sort of looked at the macro accomplishments of if we could actually help uh, minority women owned businesses here in New York City uh, win city contracts, uh, then they too can then hire within their communities. Um, and that will solve the unemployment issue that I was trying to to fix. So that's how I ended up uh, working for the city of New York and working for small business services. I started off as an assistant commissioner and my job was to streamline the certification process and make it easier uh, to certify. Um, and then I ended up moving 
to a broader responsibility in uh, business development. Um, so now instead of just focus on uh, how to help uh, minority and women-owned businesses, but then how to help all small businesses here in New York City. Um, and four years and a couple months ago, uh, I had the opportunity of being in Gracie Mansion, um, mm-hmm. and I went to the mayor. Uh, it was at a time when we were in transition with uh, commissioners, and I, I stood up and I said, hello, Mr. Mayor, my name is Greg Bishop. And he was like, I know who you are. Oh, and wow. the reason why I know, mm-hmm. he said, I know who you are, he was like, you're Greg with two Gs. Um, and a lot of people know that I'm just a Greg. I'm not a Gregory, just G-R-E-G-G. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew he knew who I was. And I was like, I'd love to talk to you about the agency and the work that um, I would love to see us do. Um, and he gave me an opportunity to uh, become commissioner of the agency. And it's been a blessing ever since. Let's talk a little about that, especially for those who may not feel that, you know, college is for, for them. Yep. Yep. Um, but let's talk about the importance of having a skill right. if you don't want to go to college. Right. So there's a lot that we do at SBS mm-hmm. um, that's around that. And you'll see all the things that we talk about. Um, it's personal to me because I, I understand the impact that it can make. So a lot of folks don't know because we're called small business services. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say SBS. Uh, we have nothing to do with select bus service. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my comms team here because we have to figure out how to fight that war with the MTA. And right. somehow when people hear SBS, they'll take small business services. But until then, I have to say small business services. Um, we, although we, it, business is our name, the larger part of the work that we do is actually in workforce. Right. Uh, we run 18 Workforce One centers across the city. Uh, we're responsible for connecting individuals uh, to jobs, but we're also responsible for training New Yorkers. So last year we trained, uh, we actually connected over 27,000 individuals to jobs and we trained over 4,000 New Yorkers. And the focus that we have is focus on the skills um, and skills that are in demand, uh, because that's very important. Uh, mm-hmm. If college is not your your path immediately after high school, that's fine, but you need to have a skill. And what we have identified in the city of New York is that healthcare, tech, industrial manufacturing, food and beverage services, uh, or uh, and construction are areas that if you have a skill in those particular sectors, not only can you get a job uh, relatively quickly, uh, but you can actually earn a really good living. Uh, so we have trainings in healthcare. Uh, we have trainings in technology. Uh, we're actually in the middle of, um, we have an application open for data analysts. Uh, so individuals who want to improve their SQL skills, uh, their um, skills in uh, Excel uh, or even um, Python, uh, you can actually get trained for free and, and we will then help you find a job uh, we have training in industrial manufacturing uh, where you could be a computer and numerical control machinist. Mm. Uh, you don't even need to have the experience in the industry. Uh, the, there's so many things that have changed in the industrial manufacturing sector. Everything, technology has disrupted a number of sectors. So it's not the old machinists. Uh, I went to Brooklyn Tech and I remember my, my major was mechanical engineering. And in the machine shop, it's a dirty, you know, it's a dirty uh, place to be. Right. But it's no longer. Uh, most of the machines are computer controlled. And you need to know how to program it. You need to speak that language. Uh, so we focus on the sectors that are not only fast growing, but they need a workforce that can actually take over from the next from the workforce that's retiring right now. Um, in industrial manufacturing, a lot of people don't know that literally the landing gear of a triple seven, some of those components are manufactured right here in New York City, in Brooklyn, in Red Hook, um, and that company wow. is looking for employees because they're turning down jobs because they need people who want to be in that sector. So a lot of the work that we do on the workforce side 
is to highlight the 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 fact that you can actually earn a meaningful um, not only wage but build a great career in these sectors, and you don't even need to have a college degree. And you don't even yeah. need to have a college degree. But I will degree. recommend yep. for those listeners who are saying, see, the commissioner said I don't need a college degree. <laughs> I, don't, I would not be sitting in front of you if I did not have my college degree. So right. even though I dropped out, mm-hmm. you know, a couple years later and seven and a half years later, I right. did go back to school. I went to a historically black college and university uh, called Florida A&M University. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I got my bachelor's, then got my master's from Florida State. Um, and because of the fact that I had my master's, I was able to actually join the city as assistant commissioner. So a college degree is important, uh, but we want to make sure New Yorkers know that if you don't have it, we can actually help you with the, the develop a skill. Or if you are thinking about actually starting a business, right? You may have, you may be passionate about an idea or something that you want to do, but we have different programs. We focus on uh, not only women entrepreneurs, uh, immigrant entrepreneurs, uh, but we recently just launched a new program for black entrepreneurs uh, because we know black entrepreneurs have uh, there's different challenges uh, in all those groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but for black entrepreneurs, we make up about 20% of the city's population, but only own 2% of the businesses. Right. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, everyone knows if you're an entrepreneur, that the city is here to help you. Uh, so through our nine set of services, through our NYC Business Solutions Centers, uh, we help individuals understand how to start a business, how to fund their business, how to grow their business how to navigate government, and then most importantly, how to prepare for disasters to make sure that they can continue their business. I'm very glad you brought that up. <laughs> so in your message to New Yorkers, That's you what talk, you call a layup. There, there you go. go. There you go. We're going to dunk it. <laughs> so in your message to New Yorkers, you talk about SBS's role to build a more inclusive economy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a certified record number of minority and business uh, women enterprises yep. here in New York City yep. now. Um, but SBS also, or Small Business Services, also works very closely with New York City Emergency Management yes, on- disaster preparedness um, through um, preparing businesses, um, through the emergency response and through the recovery. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. So we have a terrific relationship and we, a lot of folks don't realize that, that after when a disaster happens, the first responders are out there. You guys are at the front line. You make sure that the, you know, the, whatever's happening uh, is taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then we are immediately dispatched. Uh, So we are part of um, the whole uh, uh, system notification system. Um, I get alerts when there's any type of disaster that's happening. Um, and if there's anything that's related to commerce, uh, we are dispatched and our team, we, we are waiting until, you know, either fire or police say it's safe. And then we are immediately, uh, we go to work. Uh, and our job is really to make it easier for that business owner to recover from that disaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, so everything from helping them navigate the insurance process, uh, we try to make sure that business owners understand that business interruption insurance is the best tool for them uh, to help them recover from a disaster. Uh, if there's a if there's an issue where it's a city, so if it's a water main break, a steam pipe explosion, we help them with understanding the claims process. Uh, if it's a fire, we help them expedite the documents that w- that they need from the fire department. Uh, so that way they can get to the insurance. That way they can get the funding that they need uh, to reopen much faster. And then of course. When they're re- in the reopen process, uh, for example, if there's a restaurant, we try to get the health department to come out as quickly as possible to reinspect the space uh, so that way they can open up as quickly as possible. Uh, so we have a team uh, and they work 24-7 and any disaster that happens, they're dispatched um, and then they work with uh, the different business owners uh, to help them recover. And a disaster 
doesn't have to be anything like major like Hurricane Sandy. It's not just major disasters like Hurricane Sandy. It's it could be anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if a brick falls off a building and the fire to the police department seals off that area for four or five hours, that's five hours of lost income for that business. And that could constitute a disaster. Uh, so we want to make sure that business owners understand that. The challenge, though, is that business owners and we have 230,000 small businesses in the city. Uh, most of them have five or, or less employees. Uh, so you have a business owner who's busy running their business right. um, and they don't have enough time to pay, to pay attention to certain things. Uh, and we try to get ahead of that. And we, mm-hmm. so we, through our business prep uh, program, uh, we incorporate in terms of, as you're thinking about operating your business, we incorporate disaster recovery as a principle. Uh, and we want to make sure that people understand, you know, these are the things you need to pay attention to uh, in order to quickly recover. Mm-hmm. And emergency management works really closely with SBS, as you said, just to make sure that we're helping to go out to those businesses yep. as well, as well, and and prepare them uh, and give them the information that they need so that they can be resilient. And you know, we talk about consequence management, mm-hmm. and this is really what it is. And uh, I think a lot of people may not understand, uh, as you said, Commissioner, it doesn't take a major emergency. Right. It could be something simple that. Or disrupts your business for a few hours, but the consequence right. is, is significant. And the program that we have, we literally have experts that mm-hmm. will do a risk assessment of your business. Uh, mm-hmm. So everything from important documents, where you, where you, where you, where are you keeping your important documents? Mm-hmm. Right. I cannot tell you how many times during Hurricane Sandy we had business owners who came to us uh, to get you know the emergency grant that we had that did not have the documentation, right. and because it was on one computer, one hard drive, and that was under six feet of water. And, yeah. you know, salt water. So that hard drive was like just lost. Uh, so things like putting your stuff on the cloud. Um, you know, we have, um, you know, we look at, uh, you know, um, we do assessment of the business and then we figure out your weak points. And then uh, you can actually get a grant of up to $3,000 to fix those things uh, to make sure that you're prepared for whatever the next disaster can be. Uh, but the most important thing to anyone that's listening, business interruption insurance is your first line of defense. Um, and a lot of times when we have a disaster, a business owners will look at the, at the city uh, for help and we will be there. Uh, but the lessons that we learned from Hurricane Sandy, you know, we have a limited amount of funding. Uh, we typically work with the private sector to help us with additional funding. Uh, but we usually uh, rely on the federal government. And mm-hmm. if there's, you know, when Hurricane Sandy happened, the federal government took some time uh, mm-hmm. to get the dollars uh, to us as a city. Um, and during that time, a lot of businesses, you know, they needed to continue operating. So we want to make sure that if you have business interruption insurance, um, that's the best way to actually recover much faster. If you have challenges with your insurance, our business, our, our emergency response team, mm-hmm. we have a great relationship with the state and the Department of Financial Services. So we can help with any cha- any issues that you have with insurance, with claims, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a great partnership that we have with emergency management and you know, we just want to make sure that business owners know mm-hmm. that one, you need to be prepared, and then two, that the city will have your back. Right. I also want to give a shout out to the Ready New York for Business Guide and yeah. Toolkit, which was created uh, between New York City Emergency Management, our Public Private Initiatives Unit, and Small Business Services. Um, it really does a great job at painting the picture of how to plan for hazards, how to make that plan, and like you said before, all the dif- different steps that you could take to make sure that you're prepared and you're resilient. And small businesses, we say this all the time, they're the fabric of the community. And without them, Absolutely. we can't function. Yep. 
Small businesses employ over 3 million New Yorkers. Uh, so they are the economic engine of the city. Um, so we need to make sure, not only do we support our small businesses mm-hmm. uh, by shopping and consuming from small businesses, uh, but that we also make sure that we provide all the resources necessary to make sure that they can recover from a disaster uh, as quickly as possible. Because it's our small businesses that's going to provide that first internship opportunity for a young person in the community. It's a small business that's going to provide you know, the funding for a youth league or something to get pizza or something. Like that. It's uh, f- Small businesses are such a fabric of the city. Uh, that's why it's so important that we make sure that they're prepared for any disaster. Uh, and we even have a mobile unit um, because because of the lessons that we learned from Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. One of the, the 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 challenges that we had was getting to the small business owners, mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to be sure we were proactive. Um, so we have an emergency response uh, vehicle. Doesn't rival some of the vehicles that you guys have, uh, but I do <laughs> have a satellite. Okay. I have a satellite dish, <laughs> and I have like emergency power. So if someone mm-hmm. needs to recharge their cell phone. Um, we can actually help with that. But more importantly, we bring our staff out to the different communities. Uh, So in case of a disaster, uh, we can actually provide one-on-one assistance at that time. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I've seen uh, Bernadette Nation. Uh, She's been on the podcast as well, Mm -hmm. but she... If there is Hold an up, emergency. Hold on, Bird was on a podcast before me? Okay, all right. This was before See, now, you took the now, helm. Now I'm jealous. <laughs> no, Bernadette Nation has been with the city for over 30-something years, yeah. uh, and she is so passionate. I, I feel fortunate uh, that we have some uh, really, really good people on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knows the ins and outs at, at different agencies, um, and that's the expertise that we bring. Uh, right. And literally, every business owner should know that when SBS shows up, we're going to hold your hand. We're going to make sure that everything that you need, we take care of in order to help you recover from a disaster. And what I love about this, we've mentioned this on numerous occasions, but we talk about building relationships within the community. Yep. And that's what it's about. And when you, uh, for SBS, can go out into the community, help them prepare when there is a disaster, there is that trust that is built up yep. uh, and they know who you are and, and they believe uh, that you can help them. And that is key. And if anyone wants more information, they should go to nyc.gov slash SBS and click on business. And then they'll get more information about uh, our business prep uh, program, uh, because I want to make sure business owners know that, you know, you need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a number and we, as you talk about building relationships, there's a number of community organizations. Um, you know, one of the things that I've done since I've become commissioner is one, make, I wanted to make sure that we were more proactive, uh, but we also built the capacity of our community partners, uh, because we wanted to make sure our community partners can actually be the, in the front line to handle the disaster. Uh, so everything from our business improvement districts, uh, to our, our local chambers, uh, to, you know, our LDCs. All the organizations that nonprofit organizations that are working in a commercial space, we want to make sure that they're also prepared and they also know mm-hmm. how to uh, activate our services uh, because that's so important. You know, Hurricane Sandy was a lesson for us. Um, you know, in communities where there was an infrastructure where we knew exactly what businesses were affected, we were able to get services to them as quickly as possible. But in other communities, we were not, uh, and we've made a huge investment to make sure that we build whether it's a merchant association or some type of group. uh, So that way, if a disaster happens, we know who to contact and we know how to get those services uh, to them. Mm -hmm. It comes back to something we say on this podcast all of the time, which is emergency management is a shared responsibility. Mm -hmm. And we're all in it together. We are. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and you know, we I I just want to make sure that uh, you know, the listeners know that you know we have it's such a shared response. It's not even just the city; it's like the state, the federal government. Like mm-hmm. we all play a role in that. Um, but certainly, if you are unclear about any of the things that you need to do to prepare yourself uh, for a disaster, you know, come to SBS. We we can help, and you know, we we'll be the the person that will hold your hand to to get you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Wonderful uh, information. I want to switch gears a little bit. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm with you to Commissioner Greg Bishop, who, for our listeners, uh, is a Caribbean born. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure that it's the best Caribbean island there, but oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. I'm not getting involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> See, listen, uh, I'm, I'm from Grenada, and I will say that that that. You know, I came up here when I was seven, mm-hmm. uh, but we are the island of spice where everything is nice. You know what? Uh, you are you correct. <laughs> the island of spice is, is, is a nice, nice, nice island. Not as good as Barbados. Not as nice as Barbados, here but it's go. nice. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're, you know, it's February. It's uh, Black History Month. Uh, I like to say it's American history. Um, when you just look back at the history of African-Americans and even Caribbean-Americans and just where we've come and where we are today, talk a little about what influence and, and what a difference, you know, knowing the history and yeah. some of the people that have made in your life. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's so important um, that we celebrate mm-hmm. our history. Uh, I, I always joke around and say black history is black history month is when everybody else realizes the contribution that we make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I celebrate our history every, you know, 12 months out of the year. Yeah. But we, you know, it, it, I, I think about, you know, where I come from and, and just the communities I come from. You know, my grandmother was an entrepreneur mm-hmm. um, and, and literally created an opportunity for my mom to come to this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a country of opportunity. And, and when I talk about the strategic plan of the agency and when we talk about equity of opportunity, um, that word opportunity is what makes America great. Yes. You know, someone can come here and literally think about starting a business um, and end up, being, you know, having a very successful business and changing not only their lives, but generations. You know, had my mom not come here, I would not be sitting in front of you today. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom came here and, and you know, really, uh, she became a nurse and worked in the, the state system for 30-something years before she retired. Uh, but she gave me an opportunity not only to have a good education, uh, but to actually, you know, just do what I do and what I'm doing now. Um, and that is a testament to this country. And, and, and so that's a great thing about this country. I would say that, you know, America, we still have a lot to correct mm-hmm. um you know and that's one of the reasons why we started our uh black entrepreneur uh initiative uh because we know there's been systemic issues systemic racism that's prevented black individuals from creating wealth right uh we know you know when you look at black wall street uh, there was a successful enclave of entrepreneurs in a black community uh, that literally was burned down all that wealth was removed from the black community mm-hmm. um, and therefore when you look at the challenges that black entrepreneurs have access to capital uh, access uh, to other successful entrepreneurs uh, that are preventing them from actually being successful and starting a business. Those are the things that we need to address. And that, and that's one of the things that government needs to do. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the work that we're doing here at small business services, uh, the work that a lot of other municipalities through, you know, figuring out how to take a piece of the procurement world we spend anywhere between 13 and 20 billion dollars a year to run the city. 
Um, and what the mayor said is 30% of that should go to small businesses, minority and women owned. And that includes black businesses. Uh, so I think, you know, as government, we recognize that, you know, we have created, uh, you know, the, the, the environment for individuals to be successful. Uh, we created, you know, opportunities. Um, you know, we have all these services, our, our sister agency, uh, you know, Department of Consumer Worker Protection, uh, they help with financial literacy. Uh, so there's a number of different resources that you can use to be successful. Uh, but we also recognize that whether or not we are actively or passively, we do have to address some of the, the challenges, mm -hmm. access to capital, uh, you know, disinvestments in different communities. Um, that's why the mayor's been so focused on different communities that have not had any investment in over, you know, 20 or some, something years. Uh, so making sure that we, we bring the power of government to address the wrongs, I think is important. Uh, and I just feel blessed to be part of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you guys feel, but you know, when you see, uh, you know, a disaster happen and you, you, you know, emergency management steps in and we're able to like help the community recover from that disaster as quickly as possible and return to some sense of normalcy. I think that's what makes us when we wake up in the morning as public servants, like we realize like, wow, we are so privileged to be in this, a job that we can actually give back and get paid to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it makes the world of difference. It certainly, it yeah. definitely does. It yeah. definitely does. Speaking with Commissioner Bishop from the Department of Small Business Services, thank you for creating a platform and an opportunity for all New Yorkers to know that there there is opportunity to you know be an entrepreneur, have a business here in New York City. This is a place where dreams are made, and absolutely, and we we thank you for that. Any last words before we go to rapid response time? I would say you know, uh, in talking about opportunities, we have uh, of those two hundred thirty thousand small businesses, over fifty two percent are owned by immigrant New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. um, and what does that mean? When I talked about small businesses or the economic engine of the city, we are an immigrant-rich city. Uh, immigrants are the ec ec economic backbone of the city. Uh, so we as a city, we need to cherish that. We need to celebrate that. Um, and certainly we have done, and we have a mayor that's very much focused on making sure that we ha continue the welcome mat for immigrants, uh, for immigrant entrepreneurs, uh, for everyone uh, to feel welcome in the city. So uh, we're just playing a part of that at, at Small Business Services. And, and, and that, I think, is my last word in terms of like all of the reasons why I'm smiling so much about being in this role. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Oh, for rapid our response. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. All right. It is rapid response time. <laughs> it is rapid response time. And if you are a first time listener, it's simple. Omar and I will ask questions and our guest will give the first answer that comes to mind. If you don't know, now you know. You're listening to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. It's time for Prep Talk Rapid Response. All right, Commissioner, what is the one emergency item you cannot live without? So, a can of sardines. <laughs> that is a first. That is a first. Now is so. Do it. Can I just explain really quickly? Sure. Of course. So I, in my glove box, I have a, a can of sardines because I. So I. My background, I told you, is in tech. I was in operations, so I always assume the worst. So I always assume at some point in time, my car is going to go off a hill. I'm going to like end up like down on an embankment. Nobody's going to know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be trapped in a car, and I need to figure out how to eat. So therefore. 
the one thing I carry is a can of sardines. So I will ration that sardine until I figure out a way to get help. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure if this is an emergency item or just uh, um, you an need item food. of pleasure. <laughs> uh, but I like that answer. I think that's the best answer that we've gotten for that question. <laughs> Um, so in honor of Black History Month, uh, which leader has been an inspiration to you? So um, I was I was thinking about that and I actually landed on Maurice Bishop. Uh, and for those who don't know, Maurice Bishop was the prime minister of Grenada, mm-hmm. actually when I was a kid. Um, and he came on. And one of the reasons why I, I admire him uh, as as a prime minister, he was very much focused on what I'm talked about in mm-hmm. terms of opportunity. Um, and when you talk about income inequality, when you talk about those things where, you know, we're seeing some of the, the challenges that happens uh, actually here, uh, not only in New York, but, but in the United States, uh, Maurice Bishop was about the people. Right. Um, and he wanted to make sure that the people uh, benefited from any economic activity and any economic development activity that was happening in the country. Um, so for that, um, you know, I, I have a special um, affinity to him. Uh, he is, I think, quasi-related to me, um, but you know the family won't really talk about that. Um, but literally, you can claim it. I will claim it because yeah. every time I land at the airport, it says Maurice Bishop International. I show them my last name. It was like, see, I'm a bishop. You know, you gotta like <laughs> get me through the customs really quickly. Uh, but no, it's 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 so important that as leaders that we ensure that you know everyone has the ability uh, to be successful. Um, And that we, you know, the thing about capitalism, and I could go into a rant about capitalism, but the thing, there's winners and losers. um, And government needs to be there to make sure that if there's someone that is not participating, that we actually help them uh, and that we create an opportunity for them uh, to get back on their feet. Because people will have stumbles and they will fall, uh, but we are, we need to be there to make sure that we pick them up, uh, you know, dust them off and get them going. Uh, to be uh, come successful. So you have been leader of the Department for Small Business Services. You've had a lot of leadership roles at the agency as mm-hmm. well. What is the best leadership advice you've received? Listen, you've got to listen to people. Um, and and I would say that that has been one of the best things that I've actually uh, you know employed as uh, as a leader. Sometimes you just have to sit down and listen to someone. Uh, because as you're listening, you may actually find out uh, what's a core challenge or what's a, or you could actually find out like the, the solution to a problem. Um, not every time you have to have the final word, you know, so I would say listening. Um, and, you know, I know you said one word, uh, but the other <laughs> one is, you know, you just have to trust. Right. Because a lot of leaders are insecure um, and they don't want to have someone that's smarter than them. I'm not one of them. Mm. Like literally when I build a team, I want everybody to be smarter than me. Uh, Why? Because it just makes me look good. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And since you've talked about team, uh, let's switch to sports. What's your favorite sports team? Oh, the Giants. But let's not talk about that right now. Well, I'm a Giants fan, so it's fine. All right. Final question. Sum up the work you do in one word. A blessing. That's that's it. It's a blessing. Uh, And every day I wake up, uh, I'm just thankful uh, that I have this opportunity and this ro- and to be in this position uh, to make a difference in the lives of New Yorkers. Uh, and I'm just thankful for that. So thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for being it. here. We appreciate it. And for our listeners, you could visit nyc.gov forward slash SBS for more information on small businesses and small business services here in New York City. 
That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.